0: We are in the the middle of this series uh, called Habakkuk, uh, which is one of the 12 uh, minor prophets in the Old Testament. Um, And Habakkuk, we talked about last week, the the name actually means to embrace or to uh, wrestle. Um, And it's a book that's literally written with some judicial uh, language in it. Um, And in fact, if you were here last week, um, if you weren't here last week, I'll kind of review. Um, Habakkuk was written around the year 600 or so B.C., and God told the prophet Habakkuk that because you guys are evil, like I'm going to destroy you because of your wickedness. And Habakkuk would have been like, yeah, you're right, God. Like we, we are. Like we, we probably deserve that. But God put a little twist on it in there and he said, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians and they are going to destroy you. And Habakkuk was like, what? Like that. That small box, shingles commercial. Like it's just in my head. But like you're you're gonna raise up who? Because these people are are so much worse than we are. Like these people are way worse than, than the people of Judah. And God said I'm really gonna use these very very evil people to, to destroy you less evil people. And, and Habakkuk would have literally said it was a literal translation. He would have said I object. Like I, I object, Your Honor. That doesn't seem fair. And the book was written, like I said, with with very judicial language, almost as Habakkuk is going to say, God, you know I worship you. And you know that I'm gonna honor you. But I've gotta take you to court because I have evidence to prove that your actions are not just. I, I I have evidence to prove that you're not acting fair. And so today, if you're facing something and you say, I don't understand. You're thinking, man, God, you could do something about this. If I were you, God, I would, and you're not. If that's the way you feel about a situation today or maybe one day, then I'm certain that the book of Habakkuk will speak to you. And the question that we're going to wrestle with today is what do you do when you're in the dip? And we kind of talked about that last week, this crisis of faith. Like sometimes we'll start off on this mountaintop experience and God is kind of answering all of our prayers and we're driving through town and every light is green and things are just working extremely well. But it comes to a point where it doesn't feel like God hears us anymore or that God isn't answering our prayers and we end up down in this crisis of faith or this crisis of belief. And so what do we do when we're there? Because as life continues, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but as life continues, at some point we're all going to wind up in the dip. Because that's life. You know, maybe God doesn't answer a prayer or, or maybe someone loses their job or, or, or maybe there's a, a struggle with certain sin and it keeps coming back over and over again and you just can't seem to get rid of it. Maybe your kids are, are making bad decisions. Maybe there was something that, that you felt like God could do something about this, and for some reason, he didn't. And you're going, wait a minute, God. Like, I thought you were like this, but now you're like this, and I'm in this crisis of belief where what I see isn't matching up with what I, with what I know. And we talked about really two responses to that last week as well, that, that for some people, they just like deny reality and pretend like none of that ever happened, And I'm gonna stay up here on the mountain and everybody knows they're, they're not. Or the other extreme of that is that, that many people say, God, you know what, I thought you were this and, and you're not, so I'm done. And they get mad at God and they walk away. And I told you last week that it's time to embrace or just wrestle with God. If for a person that's in a crisis of faith or in this, uh, this questioning of belief, if they will embrace God or even wrestle with God through the difficult times, listen, things may not get better. They may even continue to get worse. But that believer will eventually live out what James, the half-brother of Jesus, said when he said, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of, of many kinds, Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking in anything. To the believer who will continue to embrace God, even though things may not be getting better at first, that person will grow much closer to God than they were in the past. In fact, if you look at your life and you look at the people around you, you think, man, that person's really close to God. You pick out the people in your life that that you think are the closest to God, I would almost guarantee those are the ones who have been some, through some of the most difficult situations and God has proven himself faithful to them. So, so what do you do when you're in the crisis? What do you do when you're in the dip? And today we're gonna let Habakkuk speak to us in, in very three very specific things that we can do. Um, and these three things are gonna come from the first three verses of the second chapter of, of Habakkuk. And here's what Habakkuk says. He just heard the news that God's gonna destroy the people of Judah with the Babylonians. And he says, okay, here's my plan. He said, I will stand at my watchstand, at my watch and, st- and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm going to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on the tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of an end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. What do you do when you're in the crisis? What do you do when you're struggling and you know that God could do something, but he's not? And life just doesn't seem fair. And life just doesn't make sense to you. You're wondering, God, where are you? What are you doing? And here's the three things. First of all, is we stop and listen. You stop And listen, in fact, if you look at what Habakkuk did, basically he said, God, I don't like this. I'm complaining to you. And the beautiful thing is God seemed to respectfully hear this. If it was God was saying like, sure, you're allowed to wrestle with me. And he says, hey, I don't like what you're doing. I've stated my case. Now, God, it's your turn to reply. And when you reply, I'm just gonna sit there and I'm gonna wait to to give you an answer for that. I need some answers. And he says, I'm just gonna stand and watch at my station." And he says this, I will look to see what God will say. I will look and see what God will say to me. God, what's going on here? Like too often, what we do is we just whine about what's going on and then we just go on about our lives. Many of us never stop to listen. Many of us don't ever stop to say, God, what are you saying in this? Here's a beautiful thing about God is that God's a relational God. He wants to have a relationship with us. He he loves to speak to his children. God is is a God who speaks, and if you'll stop and listen, God will often speak to you. And how will we speak? Listen, there's all kinds of sort of different ways. God can speak audibly to you. Like, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I I know people who say they have, and, and I believe them. Because God can do that. He's done it in the past. It's never happened to me before. And that's okay. Because God speaks to me nearly, nearly daily through his word when I pick it up and read it. God speaks to me through, through circumstances sometimes that, that are going on in life. And it's just that gentle nudging of the, the spirit inside of me. God speaks to me through other people many times. And, and that's the way God will speak to you. He'll speak to you through, through his word. He'll speak to you through circumstances. He'll speak to you through, through other people but you have to be willing to listen. And if you'll listen to him, and if he will speak to you, listen, you may not like what he has to say. Like like you won't, like Habakkuk didn't. Habakkuk's like, God, I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna listen to you, and then God speaks, and he says, whoa, that's not what I wanted. I didn't wanna hear that. You, You mean that's what you're asking of me? Listen, but if you're silent, he'll often speak to you. And you may not like it. Paul, in the New Testament, the apostle Paul, he had a thorn in his side or in his flesh. And his Bible says he prayed over and over again. Three times he earnestly pleaded with God to take it away. God, please remove this. God, please remove this. God, I'm begging you, take this away. And here's what God said to him. No. You you want it, gone. But I'm not going to because I'm gonna do something better. I'm going to do something better than take it away. And you may not understand what that is. You may may not understand what's going on, but I'm going to teach you that my grace is all that you need. I'm going to teach you that that it it is sufficient for everything that you have. See, I, I could do that. I could take it away, but I'm going to give you something even better than that. And when you don't understand, and when you're in a crisis, when you're in the dip, you stop and you listen and you let God speak to you. So you listen, and the second thing that you do when you're in the dip is that you write. You write what God shows you. Habakkuk uh, said, hey, where are you, what's going on? And God said, hey, you wanna know? Start taking notes, Habakkuk, and this is what he said in verse two. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. You write it down, and why does he say to write it down? He says, Habakkuk, years later, I'm gonna prove myself just and true. Years later, people are gonna read these. They're gonna look at these tablets. They're gonna say, you know what? God was was just. You know what? God was faithful. You know what? God did deliver. And it's for our benefit too. Because if you're like me, and your wife has ever sent you to the grocery store with only two things on the list to remember, something happens on the way there and Satan messes with your mind, and you can mess it up even though there's only two things. Like, write it down so that you'll remember. Again, when God says something to you, you want to record it because your spiritual enemy is an expert at stealing the seeds of truth that God wants to plant. Like, God may show you something, and I can tell you how many, it, like, it happens to me all the time. Like, I'm wrestling with something, I don't understand something, I'm, I'm preparing for a something or a sermon, and God will show me something, and I don't write it down, an hour later, I'm like, well, I think that was maybe from God. And a week later, I'm thinking, well, maybe that was the pizza I ate before bed and I got indigestion, like, and, then, and I'm blaming it on God or, or whatever. Like we have the sense that God maybe has spoken to us, but unless we write it down, it eventually just vanishes. But when I write it down, it becomes a spiritual anchor that says, yes, I believe that God has spoken to me, and I've got a reference point to go back to. What do you do when when you're in a crisis of belief? Where where you're like, God, I don't understand what's going on. You stop and listen. God, what are you saying? And then whatever he shows you, you write it down. You document it, you record it. And the third thing that you do when you're in a crisis is that you wait. Awkward, isn't it? waiting. We, we don't like silence. We, we, don't, we don't like just people just looking at us. We're at a we want instant return. We want instant gratification. Many of us, we don't like to wait. We, we don't want to wait. And yet watch what God says to the prophet in verse 3. He says the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. So when God promises something, you may have to wait a while. But listen, you can take his promise to the bank. Some of you right now, you're in the waiting zone. Like you believe that God has shown you something, like you've recorded it and now you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're you're afraid that it's not gonna come to pass. And remember this, God's delays are not God's denials. When God has promised something, it will come to pass. And when you look through the scripture, you see example after example after example of people who God promised something and then they'd wait. Hey, Moses, I'm gonna use you to to free my people. And then he wandered in the, the wilderness for 40 years. It's like 200 or something cat years. Like, it's a long time. But hey, God, I'm gonna use you and then wait. Hey, Joseph, you're gonna be a great leader one day. And what happens, his brothers beat the snot out of him, throw him in a pit, he winds up in slavery, he spends two years in prison. And it's years before God fulfilled his promise and elevated him to the second in charge of all of Egypt. The apostle Paul, he has this vision. He was killing Christians, destroying the church. He meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And, and he has uh, this new uh, transformation and his, this new desire in his life. Is, I want to preach the gospel. Like, that's what I'm here to do. That's all I want. I want to win everyone to Christ. It's 13 years before he ever gets to preach his first sermon. See, Sometimes you wait. Now, here's what happens. A lot of people think, okay, I'm waiting and I'm stuck right here. And when they think of waiting, what they think about is that, that there's no movement. I do you think about it different? What, what does a waiter do? What does a waiter do? A waiter serves, right? And here's what you do when you're waiting. You're serving the Lord. And there may be more movement in the time of waiting than there ever was before. Because whatever you do, you do it unto the glory of God. You continue to wait on him and you serve him. You see, even when you don't understand you continue to serve him, and you wait on him, and you serve him, and at the appointed time, the appointed time is gonna happen, and that, that word, if you go into all of the, the Hebrew of it, it's kinda like a woman who's nine months pregnant. When it's time, it's time, it's time. Like, it's coming, you can't stop it. And that means that, hey, you can't speed it up either. It's God's time but it also means that no one else can slow it down either because it's God's time and you wait for it. You know how long Habakkuk waited for it? A long, long time. In fact, most of the people, uh, his people, they didn't even get to see this come about. It happened in the next generation when God's promise was fulfilled. So even if you don't see his promise fulfilled, listen, they will be fulfilled because God's word is absolutely true. Like some of you right now, you're you're in the waiting zone. You're in the dip, and you believe God has promised you something, but you don't see it. I want to reread these first three verses to you from the, the Living Bible. And I hope it's encouraging to you. It says these things I plan. God says they won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when division will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. God says Habakkuk, do this. You listen. I'm going to speak to you. Take notes and then wait. And what you're going to say is that, man, I understand that the Babylonians are bad. And you think they need to get theirs. Like, I know it doesn't make any sense to you that I'm gonna use the Babylonians to destroy you, but, but they're gonna get theirs. I'm just. Because when I'm ready, like, I'm gonna take care of them. You know, it's kind of like when you, when you were a kid and you did something wrong and your mom says, wait until your father gets home. Like, has that ever happened to you? Like, it used to scare the fire out of me. Like, I don't think my dad ever did anything to me when he got home, but it still scared me to death. Like, I need to get right with Jesus moment. And that's basically what God's saying saying, you just wait, because I'm your heavenly father, like I am just, I am righteous, like they will get their punishment that they deserve. And here's how God says it in verse four. He says, the Babylonians, the enemy, like they're puffed up. He thinks it's all about him. The Babylonians, they don't think they need to follow my, my, my rules. Like they think that they've got it all together. They think that they've got it figured out. They think that God's stuff doesn't apply to them. Says so his desires are not upright. If you'll skip ahead, you look verses 6 through 19. You can read this on your own time. We don't have time to to go through all of it. But what you're going to find out is that God issues five very bold woes against the Babylonians. And what he's going to say is, hey, I know what they're doing. And I'm going to tell you exactly how I'm going to punish them. And I'll give you the high points. In verse 6, God's speaking to the Babylonians who are the thieves and they're stealing. And he says, woe to him who pile up stolen goods. You're going to pay for what you've done. Verse nine, he's talking to the cheaters or the deceivers, and he says, woe to him who builds his realm um, by by violence or or by bloodshed. Verse 15, he's talking to the the partiers. Yeah, the partiers, we got some of those. Woe to you who give drink to your neighbors. Verse 19, he's talking to the idolaters, those who who believe that their meaning is gonna come from something made, something of this world. He says, woe to you who, who say wood or objects come to life. You're gonna satisfy me. God says, in my time, wait. I'm gonna punish them. And my punishment's gonna be absolutely just. I know you don't understand my punishment on you right now, and you're worried about them, and you're worried about what's going on over there, but you don't worry about that. I've got it all taken care of. I wanna look at verse four one more time. We'll pick up the second part of that verse. Here's what God says, and this, for many people to consider, is the key verse of the book of Habakkuk. God says this, see Babylon, He said they're puffed up, their desires are not upright, but he says there's another group of people. God says that I, I call the righteous. He said, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness, or by faith. The righteous, they'll live by faith. Those who are mine, they're going to live by faith. They're not going to live on what they see around them or what's going on in, in their culture, like their mind. Instead, no matter what they see, no matter what they, they think is going on, they will live by faith. What will they have faith in? They'll have faith in whatever God has said. Like they'll listen, they'll have faith in what they've recorded and written down because God has spoken to them in His Word. They will have faith that God is going to fulfill his promise even when life looks like it's going backward and it doesn't make sense. Even when everyone else is saying, you know what, you should forsake God. He's not coming through for you. The righteous will not live by what they see, but they will live by faith. And they will trust that God is true to his word. In fact, if you ever want to build up your faith, I would encourage you to read the book of Hebrews in the the 11th chapter, It's known as the the, the Faith Hall of Fame. And it'll go through a a list again and again of how people live by faith. And I just wanna hit a few of those high points. By faith, we believe that the word was formed at God's command. We believe that by faith. We weren't there. By faith, Noah built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham and Sarah were past the age of childbearing, but God brought them a son. He was brought to them by faith. By faith, Abraham offered that son Isaac, and God said, no, you don't have to do that now. You've proven that you love me by your faith. By faith, the people of God marched around the walls of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. By faith, the people of God walked through the Red Sea and it was parted on both sides. They came through and were not even wet and the Egyptians who followed them drowned in the Red Sea. They did this by faith. The righteous, the just will live by faith. We as the people of God will live how? By faith. That God's gonna bring it about. Maybe he will give you a child by birth, maybe he'll give you one by adoption but you continue to live by faith. Maybe you're giving and you feel like you don't have enough. You're gonna live by faith that God is your provider. Your marriage is falling apart and everyone says, hey, you might as well just go ahead and get a divorce. Say, no, I remember the vows I made by faith. I'm gonna live according to God's word. Whenever your kids are making the wrong decision and everyone else says, man, they're gonna kill themselves, they're gonna gonna be a mess, you believe by faith that God is working in their lives to bring about the good of those who love them and have been called according to his purpose. You continue even when things aren't going the the way that you want to live by faith. You don't walk by what you see, but instead you walk by faith. And what happens is, is you're living by faith And in your lifetime, maybe you still don't see the promise that you believe God gave to you. There's three words that you have to remember and three words to to never let go of. If you want to, no matter what, grow grow, grow closer to God, the three words you remember on your journey and ultimate of of trust and of faith in him will be the words but the Lord. And you find these these words in the, the 20th verse of Habakkuk chapter two says this, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Even though I don't understand. Even though I don't like it. Even though I really don't want to, to want to believe what's going on. It's where Habakkuk was. He said, God, you can't be doing this. He said, but the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is still in charge. The Lord is still on the throne. The Lord is still good. He's still righteous. He's still true. He's still there. Even though everything's going on around, like like I, I don't want to see it, but the Lord is in His temple, and He says to the earth, "Be silent before Him." You know, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, "Hey, like I don't know, like Nebuchadnezzar, you want us to bow down? You want us to worship? You, you want us to 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 lay aside what we believe about God, or you're going to throw us in the fiery furnace? Like that's fine. We're going to die." And I love what they said. They said, hey, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow down because our God is able to deliver. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down and worship you. Even if he doesn't, we will still believe. Why? Because we believe that the Lord is in his temple and because he is still on the throne, we will live by faith. What do you do when you're in the dip? You listen, you record it, and you wait with everything in you. You live by faith because the Lord is in this holy temple. Let's stand. Father God, today we thank you that you are still on the throne. Even when we look around and and what we see doesn't make sense to us in so many different areas. God, it seems like you're being silent seems like you're not hearing or you're not answering but God we know that you're still on the throne we know that you're still in control So, Father I pray for those that are are listening today whether in the room or online Father I pray that today they would begin to listen for your voice and that God when you speak to them they'll write it down and then the weight in faith for God what you're going to deliver. That at the appointed time, at the right time, I love what you write, what's written in Romans, says that at just the right time, because God, that's how you work. It's just the right time. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's just the right time. Father, today I pray is just the right time. For maybe someone who's been struggling with with coming to faith, with accepting the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Today, I pray, would be the day for salvation for them. I pray for some who have been waiting and they've been waiting and they've been waiting and they feel like they've been been waiting for so long today. Father, I pray is the day that you you bring about the, the promise of your word. Father, for for so many others, I pray that, that we, we would be the hands and feet of Jesus who go out into this world and help those who are waiting, help those who are hurting, help those who are struggling with this very crisis of faith that so many of us enter into. We thank you for Jesus and pray that he would come quickly.